You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Creed 3, which came out in 2023 and was directed by Michael B. Jordan. It stars Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, Jonathan Majors, Felicia Rashad, Mila Davis-Kent, Florian Montenot, Tony Ballou, Jose Benavidez, Salinas Leva, and Wood Harris. The genre would be sports drama. The one and only Adonis Creed. You're the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. It's been a minute since you've been out in these streets. I walked away with some unfinished business. You see that man right there? You remember him? He was like brother. Before I got locked up, I was the best. He's not going to stop. Then you make it. I'm coming for it all. You a coward, bro. Try spending half your life in a cell. Watching somebody else live your life. Don't let him destroy everything you've built. Wow. Talk about something which feels like both a throwback and a new remix. This third entry of the Creed saga, and the ninth of the Rocky franchise overall, feels more like an intimate drama than several other films of that franchise, and yet is also probably the glossiest and most bombastic entry since the Coke-fueled music video of Rocky IV. I'm referring, of course, to the theatrical version of Rocky IV. It's a strange mix of style and story, which mostly works, and it also happens to be the directorial debut of its star, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. wears both the movie star and directing hats quite well, as the film looks great, also props to DP Kramer Morgenthau, it's very engaging, and it features strong performances across the board, most notably from Jonathan Majors playing his new antagonist, Dame or Damian Anderson. Stay focused. Jabs, jabs. <laughs> Give it to him. <laughs> Work yourself out the clinch. Let's do it. Hey, who's that? Hey, you get the clean, huh? Yo, man. Just trying to do her, man. Yo, man. Who you calling a little man? Who you calling a little man? Hey, what's going on down here? That was intentional. You handled this. I am gonna handle this. What are you talking? What happened? We doing my job? Hey, come here, man. Majors is obviously having a very serious moment right now, as this is the second major threequel released over the past few weeks featuring him as the arch-villain, the other one being Ant-Man and the Wasp 3. I mean, the dude's getting a lot of hype, and deservedly so, but just going back a few years, you could already tell he was there, a star in the making. He was the only thing I found engaging in the otherwise meh, the last black man in San Francisco. He held his own against a stacked cast in the underrated Western and previous episode, The Harder They Fall. He just about stole the excellent Defy Bloods from other prominent cast members. And he's already proven that he could deliver a muscular performance against several very tricky genre elements in the HBO series Lovecraft Country. It's too much at stake. You don't think I know that? I'm doing this for us, to protect us, our future. We're surrounded by monsters, Lenny. I don't have a choice. 
Jonathan Majors plays Damian Anderson, a recently released from prison childhood friend of Jordan's Adonis Creed, who feels very wronged by Adonis. This is because he took the legal fall for a violent incident which both of them were involved in when they were teenagers. This is the uh, cold open of the movie as well. Even though it was actually Adonis who instigated this incident. And this resulted in 18 years of incarceration for Dame while Adonis got off scot-free. Hmm. And it's Damien ingratiating himself into Adonis's life which actually sets the story in motion. We actually feel for Dame somewhat as Majors effectively elicits sympathy. He doesn't present himself as an obvious villain off the bat, but he helps keep the tension of the story quite strong early on, resulting in a sports drama which actually feels more like a psychological thriller for much of its first half. Is there something else you want to tell me? <sighs> D, you have got to open up at some point. I don't know what else to tell you. What I you need to understand to what is what you going want to hear? on. Some sad story? You trying to feel sorry for me or no, something? No, I don't want to feel sorry for you. I want to understand you. I want to know what is going on There's with you in my about. house. Dave. I don't want to talk about anything. I've been trying to forget it. It's dead. Leave it. Leave it. Let it lie. I'm talking about that shit no more. You figure out your shit, D. Because what cannot happen is her seeing you like this. Do you understand? Of course, this is still the latest entry in a storied sports movie franchise, and Jordan does not let that go, as the second half becomes an increasingly conventional boxing drama with all the expected trimmings. Rousing music, intense training montages, and of course, an epic fight in the ring between these former brothers now rivals. And all that stuff is highly entertaining, even pulling off a solid job of building on the character setup from the first half of the movie to provide some stakes and context for the later action. The final fight is very effective, even taking into account a visual device which I think, in all the discussion leading up to the release of this movie and all the reviews after, has been a bit overhyped. There's been a lot of talk, even from Jordan himself, as to how Michael B. Jordan was very much influenced by anime with regards to how he presents that final fight. And well, you could certainly see it, but I really just didn't find it as jarring as many others have. And if we're being honest, it's not quite as radical of a departure from previous Rocky slash Creed movies as several critics have proclaimed. I mean, that first Creed movie, Rocky V, and of course Rocky IV, they all had their share of stylistic flourishes using symbolism and or fantastical visuals to heighten the conflict. I mean, there's nothing shown in this movie which is as silly or as on the nose as the in-frame collision of the USA and USSR boxing gloves, which opens Rocky IV. This was at the height of the Cold War, get it? I mean, as a director, Jordan certainly takes a bit of a visual leap with that final fight, but I feel that it conveyed what he was going for, and never in a way that took me out of the movie. The reality is that this is just not a subtle movie, nor does it even pretend to be. So why not just ramp things up a bit to close out the story? And visuals aside, this movie does get quite emotional at points, helped very much by Felicia Rashad reprising her role as Mama Creed, and a lovely performance by Mila Davis-Kent as Adonis and Bianca's hearing-impaired young daughter, Amara. Several scenes of just father and daughter interacting at home, even training at one point, are just sweet and affecting, as are most other scenes of the family drama. What didn't work for me, and probably my biggest criticism of the movie, is that the midsection, 
The second act just feels quite rushed at points, even kind of yada yadaing some significant plot points, which inexplicably feel kind of rushed aside to just get us to the more boxing-focused third act. I mean, the runtime ends up clocking in at less than two hours, which I can certainly appreciate. I wish more movies did that. But there's some narrative connective tissue which is missing, including one point in the movie where I even kind of found myself saying, whoa, we're just going to brush past that? There are some legal implications here. Yeah, this movie could have maybe used another 10 to 15 minutes to help flesh out where we are kicking off at the beginning of that third act. And beyond that, there's the elephant in the room, which needs to be addressed, of course. This is the first film in the franchise not featuring Sly Stallone playing Rocky Balboa. In fact, his character is hardly mentioned. So does not having Sly slash Rocky involved in this story lessen the impact? Well, for the most part, no. I would say there is one scene later in the movie where it just felt egregious to not include his character. It's certainly strange given how the relationships were established in previous movies. But honestly, they adeptly set up the family-oriented exit of Rocky in the previous film Creed II, him reconciling with his son. So it never really bothered me as much, even though I loved Sly in those previous movies. Which brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Disappointingly, Danish composer Ludwig Göransson did not return to do the score for Creed 3 after conducting rousing emotional scores for the previous two Creed movies. In fact, one minor criticism that I would have of this movie is the lack of a distinct theme heard throughout, whether it be the iconic Rocky theme from the older films or even the very good official theme for Creed, which Göransson introduced in that first Creed movie. In his place, though, up-and-coming Joseph Shirley came on board to both compose and, quote, supervise a pretty interesting soundscape, including hip-hop, R&B, and Afrobeats. I honestly could not find anything about Shirley or even his background, as he hasn't done many films, and he started his career roughly 10 years ago. He's apparently a protege of Gorenson, with his most well-known credits to date being that he composed scores for Star Wars shows The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. It's an eclectic score to say the least, but it generally works. And for me, the highlight would be Shirley's music for that all-important training montage in the third act of the movie. We always gotta have those. It's here that we actually hear most of the original Creed theme, and overall this training montage is glorious. Really damn exciting stuff as we see both Adonis and Damien continuously raising the game on physical acumen, as at one point we actually see Adonis personally pulling forward a small airplane on a runway. No joke. It's got a fun sound, including lots of brass, synth, ambient saxophones, and even some vocals from contributor Baby Rose. This track is fittingly called, wait for it, Training Montage. The next category would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. 
Going back to his breakout work now more than 20 years ago on both HBO's The Wire as Avon Barksdale and an emotional performance in previous episode Remember the Titans, I've always been a fan of Wood Harris. He's got presence, he's got that great voice, and he's always been adept at bringing a level of weight to even the most subtle acting gestures. I mean, just check out his Superman line in Titans for proof. You can't be hurt like this. You're Superman. Still gets me. So for this third Creed movie, he has returned as Duke, who is Creed's boxing manager slash trainer, main trainer. He worked alongside Rocky in those first two movies, and it was clear that even before Stallone's departure from this franchise, that Duke's prominence as the man in Creed's corner had been growing. So now that he's the main force behind Creed outside of the ring, you would think that this would be a chance for his character to really shine, right? Well, not really. Yes, he has a more prominent presence in this movie, with at least one standout line to motivate Adonis Creed towards the end of the movie. It's a really good one. I need you to let go of your fear. Let go of the guilt. Let go of whatever was and walk into what is. Disappointingly, though, he's just not given that much to do. No truly memorable moments along the lines of what we saw from Mickey in the first two Rockies, Apollo in the third, Duke Sr. in the fourth movie, or Rocky Balboa. So what we'll be calling on is good old-fashioned blunt force trauma, horsepower, heavy-duty, cast-iron, pile-driving punches that will have to hurt so much they'll rattle his ancestors. Every time you hit him with his shot, it's got to feel like he tried kissing the express train. Yeah, let's start building some hurting bombs. Or even Rocky himself in the previous two Creed movies. Bottom line, I would have loved a bit more Wood Harris as Duke. The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Now I'm going to go a little different here, even though this is technically a sports drama. We see the power of Major's performance in an early scene where he is meeting Adonis' wife Bianca, adeptly played again by the irreplaceable Tessa Thompson. The three of them are just sitting outside on a balcony at the Creed's swanky hilltop mansion. The whole conversation feels very relaxed on the surface as Dame brandishes a nervous smile with some mumbly boilerplate getting-to-know-you talk with Bianca. But as he starts to ask her some more pointed personal questions about her musical career, we hear less mumbling from majors and a more severe cadence as to what he's saying so that by the time he ends this part of the conversation with a sharp thank you, it sounds more like a threat than a simple greeting. So, Miss Producer, when's your next show? I don't really perform like that these days. Yeah, I took a break because I was, I was having some issues with my hearing on stage. And now I'm trying to be careful and preserve what I got left. So I'm producing. Yeah. Not anytime soon. <laughs> Still hard to get that part up, though. Right? Yeah, it's not the only thing I love, but it takes work. It's a fantastic acting showcase for all three of these actors, and also a suitably tense demonstration of a genre which Jordan, with writers Keenan Kugler and Zach Balin, is dipping the Rocky Creed franchise into for the first time in its almost 50-year history, the psychological thriller. It's a standout scene. This brings me to the final category, which would be the MVP, the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. As an actor, Jonathan Majors clearly has the chops on screen, and one critical aspect that he brings to the table is that he's often both endearing and menacing within the same facial expression. Majors can disarm you with a very warm smile, which can drift quite subtly into a grimace, as if he's visually telling you the following without actually saying it. Hey, I'm a good hang. We're bonding. But if you even hint at something that pisses me off, this is not going to end well for you. 
It's kind of akin to what Christoph Waltz does, albeit with a different type of voice to accent it. Whereas Waltz says everything in a very clipped manner, Majors actually blends his words together to almost make it easier for you to underestimate him. And even though I have to give props to Michael B. for once again giving a strong performance, while also delivering a solid directorial effort, I can't say that all of his choices work, especially how he pairs down plot elements in the middle of the movie. And I've said this before on previous episodes, like so many other notable genre movies, the success of this movie still rests upon the strength of its villain. And I would be very comfortable proclaiming Damien Anderson as the best Rocky slash Creed villain since Clubber Lang 40 years ago. At the end of the day, it's Jonathan Major's performance which truly drives this movie. And for that reason, he is the MVP. They take your name. They, they give you a number. That's how it starts. I was the best, though. Yeah, you were. I was, bro. But I never got a chance to prove that. Look, all I'm saying, bro, if, if Apollo Creed could take a chance on some underdog, why can't you? My rating for Creed 3 would be four and a quarter stars out of five. Overall, Creed 3 is a fantastic entertainment filled with so many successful elements that I can forgive its narrative shortcomings. It's an impressive directorial debut from Michael B. and a worthy addition to this franchise. And if you're looking to watch Creed 3, it's now playing in theaters. And that ends another pugilistic review. Special shout out to my lovely wife, Marlene Gershon, for producing this podcast and to my lovely daughter, Ella Gershon, for assisting in the editing. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.